0: This is Sound Heights Records Podcast, Session 29. And the song lyric of the day is by Ellie Marcus. This life is a test, so just give it your best. All you gotta do is try. If you've worked at it so hard, just believe you've done your part. Success will come in time. looking for you throughout the show. Welcome to the Sound Sound Heights Podcast. Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. Harmonizing life and music, growing as an artist, improving as a person, gaining insight and inspiration Inspiration. conversations with world-class musicians. Welcome to Sound Heights Records. This is Yisrael Aryeh. So I was standing in shul in synagogue just a couple days ago <laughs> we were dancing with the Torah. Things were getting a little wild. It was at the early, kind of the tail end of the celebration. Simcha's Torah is the, the day of the year where we celebrate, we complete reading the Torah and we begin reading again at the beginning and it's a the grand, pretty much the, the biggest celebration, the grandest celebration there is all year in synagogue. It, it's kind of the peak of a, an intense season following Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the, the New Year, and then the Day of Atonement, and then a, a number of days, um, eight days to be exact, of uh, celebration in a, in a sukkah. In a, a hut, an outdoor hut with with a special branches cover, and then we emerge on this last day, Simchah Torah, which literally means the joy of the Torah. And we just <laughs> dance, we sing and dance, we uh, we drink a little bit, and we have uh, you know great time with our families, kids. It's really a wonderful celebration, especially uh, where I'm here in Crown Heights. They really know how to celebrate. And after all the the celebrations, I was standing there with a couple of guys from, from the shul, from the synagogue, and Ellie Marcus, who also, um, who is our guest today, w- who also um, comes to the same shul, so I happened to be there, we were we were talking, we were for bringing, and he mentioned something about the podcast, and I was like, you know, <laughs> he did inspiration, I'm like, you're coming in tomorrow. We're doing it, and uh, so so it happened was the day after. So that was this morning. It's already a couple days later. Still kind of floating on that high, and Ellie and I had a really great conversation this morning. Um, I found out some things about him I didn't know. I mean, if those who don't know Ellie, he comes from a, a very musical Hasidic family. His uncle Avram Fried is very well known in the Jewish world has been singing and and bringing a lot of uh, people together for many, many years. And uh, his cousin, Benny Friedman, who was a guest on this podcast a few months ago, um, and his older brothers, uh, who have a band called Eighth Day. There are numerous other family members, I gather, that are very musical, maybe lesser well-known. He mentions that his sister was a big inspiration growing up, that she played piano, introduced him to a lot of music that uh, he would, might not have otherwise been exposed to at a young age. But notwithstanding, you know, his family connections, he's really made a name for himself through just just his sweet nature, his beautiful voice. He's been in demand and has carved out a living as a musician. Which is, you know, pretty unique thing in today's day and age. I mean, I think the the parameters of a singer in the Hasidic world and the success that he has—I don't know how easy it is to duplicate. I mean, it's you know, his, his cousin does it, his uncle does it, kind of works in a similar world where I guess a lot of the um, the work comes from weddings, and that leads to concerts and other opportunities. I recently read in a a magazine that came out about Crown Heights they do these tours where they bring people from outside of Crown Heights and kind of show them a little bit of the, the inside perspective of Hasidic life here and he's been performing for these groups which is kind of a cool little a cool gig that gives him an opportunity to to share some Hasidic music some of his music to uh, audiences small audience but audiences but I guess over time it adds up for people who um, are experiencing that music for the first time. We also kind of dug down into some of his influences, some of the messages he got from his uncle and people in his family and how to approach his calling in music and the opportunities it affords. And he it took him a minute to kind of think it out and put it into words, but I think he really put his finger on it And he mentioned something about his job to be like tickling souls, you know, just waking souls up a little bit, just providing a little bit of a gentle soul reminder through the medium of music. And we also dug down a little bit. I kind of put him on the spot, which uh, he was a very good sport about. But he had mentioned his passion for drumming when he was younger and then kind of offhandedly says, well, you know, he played with his older brothers a bit, but he wasn't really that good and gave it up. It's like, okay, I took him at face value. And then he mentioned that he played on his brother's Eighth Day's first album, and he played on the song Yamaka, which has really great drumming on it. I, I actually put an excerpt of it at the beginning of this session. Some really good drumming. And I'm not sure where he got the idea that he uh, he didn't have what it takes as a drummer or the, the potential to grow with it, certainly, whether he, he's interested or not interested, but I definitely encouraged him as I encourage um, musicians in general to dig down to their, their youthful passion for it. And certainly he has that in singing, and I wouldn't uh, <laughs> discourage him to do any less of that. But, you know, drumming is, a good, is good for the soul also in a, in a little bit of a more visceral, physical way. And uh, we talked about maybe getting together if we do some playing together, some drumming together, which would be cool. So, before we get to the interview, I just want to, again, thank our patrons um, for supporting this episode and the musical releases. What we do here at Sound Heights, please consider joining um, our ranks. Go to soundheightsrecords.com/patreon, and you can find, or just go to soundheightsrecords.com. You can navigate around. There's a lot of music there. Um, there's uh, some videos and you can find rewards for becoming a patron which are a lot of unreleased music um, a, f- a few pre-released songs and, and a whole bunch of it we keep adding to of music that nobody else is getting to hear um, so check that out so without further delay here's our interview with Ellie Marcus <laughs> Way you learn to make records and you, this is what your third yeah yeah so um i guess you learn w- what's your primary from your uncle did you did you get to check out how he does things or or your cousin well, how, how do you
1: i never really watched um production
0: mm-hmm.
1: or experience production you know maybe you know vocal production you know in the studio mm-hmm. recording choir vocals or whatever it was you know before before i started out as a as a professional um but i never really got into the um you know the arrangement process and the production process i'd love listening to the um like the um you know the the playbacks Mm -hmm. you know of uh we get i don't know you know my uncle would you know 20 25 years ago um you know a tape would would kind of you know float around and like it was like with a scratch vocal Mm -hmm. so there was only like very limited parts that had a vocal i love listening to those Uh so you can hear all the you know individual parts yeah much clearer uh you know obviously not mixed so you know you can the piano is nice and loud or the guitars are nice and loud and you can hear really so i think that's that's probably my earliest education on uh on that process but till uh till i you know till this album Really just sitting down and watching, you know, piece for piece um, and still trying to figure out in my own head, you know, making, trying to write my own arrangements.
0: And, uh, and that, that's very interesting about the, the, the tapes you had from your uncle. But, um, I'm sure that wasn't like, that was a privilege, <laughs> a privileged experience.
1: I guess, you know, either it was on purpose or by mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I you know, distinctly remember, uh, not all the albums, but probably one or two albums you know intros that were you know deleted or you know or, so that was very um all i can say on the original I, on the original recording of yeah. uh this in this track you know the the intro actually was different mm-hmm. was, there was an intro that they cut
0: out you know right, right deleted scenes it's uh it's cool you still have some of those tapes or access to them i
1: doubt it I probably maybe my parents house mm-hmm. still in the they have, nobody threw them out yet <laughs>
0: So, so let's start. Let's start at the beginning, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, your earliest musical memory. My earliest musical
1: memory is probably probably me singing at my upsherenish. Hmm. Um, it's on video, so. Uh huh. Yeah, so it's but I always actually only found the video recently. You remembered it independently yes. of that. I I think so. Uh-huh. I, but I've seen the video as a kid. But it's it's definitely uh, the earliest uh, musical memory. Um, I got up on the uh, on a stool, sang solo. Um, somebody probably bought me a, one of those um, little Tykes uh, tape recorders with a microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably an obsharnish present. So I'm assuming that this is afterwards, and you can play the tape and sing along on the, on the mic, so that was probably my second uh, <laughs> musical experience. And um, all throughout uh, childhood, it was just there was a lot of, a lot of listening to music. Um, I started playing not drums, but you know, pencils on anything that made, made a sound. Uh, we had some old. Uh, my brother bought me one of those, you know, Arabic drums, the metal drums from Israel once, mm. and um, you know, so that was like my, you know, my bass drum. <laughs> Anything that made any noise that sounded remotely similar to a drum
0: became part of my drum set. Um, you grew up in LA, right? Yeah. In, in, so what was the, what was the music like in your house? I mean, it, um... a lot of Avram Freed. Yeah. A lot of our Freed. Um, that was our
1: favorite. Um, and a li- we listened to a lot of the choirs. You know, Slova uh
0: Miami Boys Choir. Um, Were you exposed to things beyond, um, you know, the, the like anything more eclectic in the Jewish world <laughs> or outside the Jewish world? Let's see. Outside the Jewish world, not really.
1: Um... Uh, From 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 a young young age, I don't have any specific memories, like five six, of um, any other music besides what I what I said. uh, (laughs) Obviously, Mm -hmm. the Nuchayakh tapes. But around, um, but say about eight or nine, we started getting like the hask concert um, tapes. Um, and some more eclectic pieces. So we listened to diaspora Yeshiva band, um, and then listening to the Piamentas, and obviously mortheim and David, um, but especially the um, the fifth Hask. I don't know if you're familiar with the the uh, <laughs> progression <laughs> of the of the uh, <laughs> each each concert kind of had a theme, mm-hmm. um, and the fifth Hask concert was like a showcase. Um, you know, program. So they showcased all the, you know, the masters, quote-unquote, of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of each instrument. Mm-hmm. So Yaron did a piano piece. Then they had some guy do a, you know, famous, uh, you know, trumpet piece, or, you know, a famous song, you know, featuring trumpet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they featured Avi Pimenta on his flute, and they featured Yassi on guitar. Like, mm-hmm. it was it, that was the whole... Um, so getting a lot of indu- individual attention on a specific instrument. So that was kind of like... A, like a uh, jazz exposure, Jewish jazz exposure, if it's the closest, <laughs> you know, without actually getting into jazz. Um, so that was very, uh, very influential. Um, There's like a 20 second drum solo at the end of the concert. <laughs> I would listen to it. Mm-hmm. I probably listened to it like 500 times.
0: So you, you were most drawn, to, besides I guess singing, but you were most drawn to, <clears throat> to drums years?
1: Yeah, mainly drums, and then, um, um, I oh, forgot to say it, but another very, very early musical exposure is uh, my sister's taking piano lessons. So, um, we had a, somebody, Ashkaha just uh, just divine providence. Um, a neighbor asked us to house a piano for them, they didn't have any room for it, so they asked my parents if they would um host the piano indefinitely (laughs) so we had a uh, beautiful upright piano um since i don't know five six years old and um my sisters took lessons and played all the time at home and uh, i just started to you know pick it up play by ear noodle around um and thank God it's uh I mean it's it's a real gift and a blessing, but uh start picking up piano and playing and figuring out chords and scales and how this stuff works. It was uh, a, another very early um memory and exposure and, and got me got me started on the on the path. You you play guitar also, So path is, uh, guitar is a recent uh mm-hmm. a recent introduction, uh the last two and a half, three years. Um but with uh, the nice, you know, I'm not professionally trained um, in in music theory or or in any instrument particularly. Um, and so, just uh, adapting what I what I learned on piano and trying to, you know, copy it over to a guitar and all tough trying to <laughs> remember where things are. It's like when you're used to the linear. You ever uh,
0: perform with uh, accompanying yourself with piano and I I, guitar? Yeah. You do also sometimes, yeah.
1: Yeah, lately mm-hmm. I've uh, I've I've gained the uh, the confidence to start doing that. Um, I haven't done it too often, but uh, here and there. And it's
0: it's very uh, it's a it's a very different experience. So you're it's mostly self-taught on those instruments. Yeah, and drums also. Did you ever take lessons when you were a kid? Did you ever? No, no, never had any formal training. You still you play drum set still? Uh,
1: maybe. Or did you ever play drum set, or yeah. it was mostly? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, actually, when I. You had a drum set growing up? About seven or eight. My, my brother sent me his drum set from uh, New York.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, yeah, we started playing. I started playing seriously about uh, 10, 11 years old. Um, you know, the, the, the drum set came in in parts. So we got like, I don't know, the bass drum and like two tom-toms and then like a one cymbal. <laughs> I had that for like two years. I was like, I gotta go buy a snare, I gotta go buy a hi hat, you know, pedal and stand and you know, getting a proper bass drum uh, pedal and so it took a couple of years to develop. But then uh I'd say from around ten or eleven we we moved when I was uh when I was ten. and we got uh there was a room in the house where, you know, set up the drums, it was a little, you know, a little soundproof. And uh just every Sunday come up from school, that was uh drums time was otherwise I came home from school you know six seven o'clock at night it was right the, the two labor drums so Sundays and Fridays were uh, drum days so what were you play were you playing with recordings yeah that
0: was mostly yeah yeah whatever the latest uh, tape we had in the house you know fast songs so w- so what happened to the drumming did I mean you ke- you keep it up at all you you, you go back to it so uh, 16 I left home and went to yeshiva mm-hmm. moved out.
1: So that was the end of my drumming career.
0: Where, where did you go? <laughs>
1: I spent three years uh, in Postal, Iowa. Oh, Iowa. And then once you have been in Russia, then... It's not a big to, drum town? To New York. Wrestling. There was. There, oh, there was. There is uh, <laughs> a fellow there who's, you know, he's the musician in town. and mm-hmm. he, like, his basement was, like, uh, full of instruments. So we would we go there a couple yeah. times. Uh, you know, jam a little bit. But, um, yeah, that was, you know, maybe I would bring, you know, a drum pad or, you know, always had drumsticks with me, but mm-hmm. not enough uh, discipline to practice all the time without mm-hmm. actually playing drums.
0: But you, 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 at that point, were you thinking about a career in music or not necessarily? When, when did that come, come up?
1: I never thought about it practically until I was finished, really finished Yeshiva. Um, but I really I wanted to be a musician. I want to be a drummer. Mm-hmm. It's like it's way cooler than being a singer. You know, actually be in the band. It's like yeah, I want to be in the band. Um, but then the sin- singing, I was like, this is just way more practical and <laughs> simpler. It's like you just get up and sing. <laughs> you know, from, from singing at uh, any kind of lagma omer or whatever event in shivas throughout the years. I just being the big on on Shabbos, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, we need, a, oh, Ellie, go 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 down, Musa. You know?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, and, you know, people complimenting me on my voice throughout the years, even though, you know, I didn't have much of a voice when I was uh, seventeen, eighteen. Um, and I was like, uh, but when I came, I came here to yeshiva, and um, after I turned, I turned twenty-one, and um, going to weddings in Torah, just you know, kind of popping in. And uh, I said, hey, maybe let me try this, you know, see how the singing thing goes. I know it's not, it's not drums, but, you know, I, I got
0: I to give up that dream. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. You know? Do you still think about it? I mean, is it, if you're, you're at peace with the... A...
1: No, I, I still, you know, if my wife will let, I, I'd love to get an electric drum set at home.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> if your wife will
1: let. <laughs> won't <laughs> make that much noise, but it takes up, you know, in a New York apartment, it takes up space. But it's definitely, I mean, you never lose, um, you know, it's hard to lose that, uh, especially if it's a natural, you know, instinct. Um, you know, Baruch Hashem, it's a it's a, it's a, gift. It's another um, God-given uh, talent. So it's hard to lose it. And
0: uh, Right. Uh, I, just, I agree it's hard to use it, but for a lot of people what happens is that that passion becomes buried, you know, and... Because of like you're saying practicalities or whatever, right. there's certain. I mean, I, I know for, but it's always looking for its way out. Like a con, you know, you, I mean, especially with drums, you have, to, you have to find a context, right? To to do it. I mean, for you know, for me, I all I wanted to do was like a, a little kid was play drums, you know, and then whatever it was, my parents didn't want to sit in the house, and they brought me to mm-hmm. they brought me to lessons, and the teacher says I was too, you know. Wild, you know, like, so then it was just like, okay, no. so he's not, he's not, uh, you know, he's not a, he must not be a prodigy because the teacher won't, won't take no, him no. But, but then, you know, so then years later, I ended up taking it up again. Um, like, it wasn't, it wasn't going to stay dormant, you know, but, but I, I, had, you know, took a lot of effort to, like, especially when, like, in music school, for example, as you coming in and focusing on piano. Right. And they be like, well, you know what, I want to, I need some more credits. Let me do drums also. It was like a secret way into mm. the drumming world. So I started taking, you know, studying drums simultaneously with the piano. But then you got some resentment from guys because there was only a certain amount of drum slots in the ensembles. So they're like, but you got to stick to piano. You're already in one <laughs> ensemble with the piano. You got to be this other ensemble with the drums. Like That's great. You know, the guys who are yeah. just drummers were like, right. yeah. and so, you, you know, there's that, you know, stick with one instrument, you know. but. <laughs> I mean, there's always some challenges to, sure. in general. But, uh, you know, anyway, you know you have a, a place here if you want to come and jam on drums, you know. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, no question. All right, I'll, what do the neighbors say? <laughs> uh, okay, so I haven't, I'll share this story. I haven't had one complaint in in the two years we've been here. And we've been loud. Wow. I nice. had, what, any any hour, day and night. I'm not going to jinx that. But but I want to, <laughs> you know, this is a really special you know, thing in the city to have that kind of sure. experience. There was one night I was here with the complaint cup with a couple of guys, loud, probably like 1, 2 a.m., drums, organ, cranked, uh-huh. just jamming, 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 banging on the door. I'm like, okay, our first noise complaint. I can deal with it, you know what I mean? It's 2 a.m., right. we have the organ cranked up, we have the drums cranked up, I open up the door, and it was this guy who was clearly, like, intoxicated and who knows what. <laughs> All right. And he was like, "Can I come in and pray with you?" <laughs> and like a black guy from the community, <laughs> you know. He thought we were, we were like yeah. spiritualizing. You know what I mean? I mean, sure. we were in our own way, but like he thought it was like a, you know like. Yeah. It's. <laughs> so he wanted to. It's, come. Very, it's very common in these
1: uh, in these areas so he to wanted, hear music he wanted, out I, of. I was
0: like, no, no, this is just a you know. A, <laughs> A rehearsal jam or whatever. And he, but he, whatever. He actually, um, he banged for a while. He was disappointed. <laughs> and then eventually, went, but anyway. Um, so we go back a little bit because obviously, you know, you come from a very musical family. You had, I'm <coughs> interested. I mean, I, so how many brothers and sisters do you have? How many siblings? So I have, have? Uh, I have five brothers and four sisters. And where do you fall in the. I'm the youngest. Age? You're the very youngest. <laughs> Okay, the beneficiary. And spoiled um, yeah, luck. as
1: they say, <laughs> the most spoiled and the most talented, which I disagree with both. <laughs> but
0: um, so, what, what's the, the so you you're in terms of being involved in music? Your sister, she still plays. Um,
1: so my oldest sister um, was the that's the one who's taking lessons. I think all my sisters took lessons at some point. Oh, okay. Um, but she was the most um, you know passionate about it. Um she has a piano at home today. Um, so she was, yeah, i say she was probably the, um, the, at the, at the time, she was the biggest influence. I remember, you know, wanting to go along to her, you know, piano lessons. And like, you know, I just stay and watch, you know. Well, was it kind of, was she bringing
0: classical music home? Or was it, or was it? I think so, yeah. I, I
1: mean, yeah. I don't remember what she played. I remember the books, you know, mm-hmm. the you know the uh, the practice, uh, the books that she would bring home. She was pretty serious about it. Huh? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. she's uh, you know very musical, and um, she actually brought home a lot of uh, you know interesting uh, music from Israel, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, this is I don't know twenty years ago. Um, Aaron Roselle when he was you know just oh, coming yeah. out, um, you know, videos that she spent sukkahs in Israel once. Um, And, um, you know, brought back a lot of videos of these, you know, festivals with, you know, know, Yonatan Razel before Mm -hmm. he was, you know, really anything, uh, you know, too big. Um, And, you know, that was a a lot of, uh, you know, bringing in some some new flavors, you know, not just our typical, I don't want to say typical, but our traditional, uh, you know, Hasidic music that we listen to. But uh, a lot of, uh, like I said, Aram some uh, Rebbe Lesheva. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember those, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I forget. Um, some, uh, so yeah, some different, some different flavors of uh, music. Start mixing it up, and um, really continued. I think that that was my first um, introduction to uh, to Israeli music. And that uh, really, really piqued my interest, and you know, followed through with that. Uh, we had—I don't know how it came to—I uh, don't know how it came to our uh, came into our possession. My, my brother Bensi, came home from yeshiva with an album called *The Other Side* by Arkady Kaufman. Hmm. Who's a—he's uh, a saxophone player who lives here in uh, in New York and he is he calls himself you know the jewish jazz Mm -hmm. you know he's jewish jazz you know whatever his website is i think it's Mm -hmm. jewishjazz.com and he had a lot of um he would have like a a niggin and then like an original piece and then like the the whole album was you know um, niggin original niggin original original. and a lot of um incredible incredible musicianship and uh, that was like you know really you know our first uh Expansion, mm-hmm. musical expansion of like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, this is legit. <laughs> and I was like, you know, whenever I would try to, you know, show people that I have like a little bit of a sophisticated understanding of music, I say, oh, this is Tarcati. And they're like, oh, it's Tarcati. I'm like, oh, that's really cool stuff.
0: I have to check that out. but uh... <clears throat> So you're, you're how old, much older your brother? So your brothers, two brothers who are in eighth day, right? They're, how much older are they than you? So, Bensi, I think,
1: is seven or eight years older than me. <clears throat> Shmooly is... How oh, was Uh it's... No, Bensi's...
0: I don't know. You don't have I to... About 12 years older than me. <clears throat> so, it's a pretty big... I mean, it's a yeah. pretty age gap. So, um, their whole world, like, I guess when they when they were starting to do their thing, um, you were still... Well, Teenager, I mean, when they were starting to, when they formed that band. So the pre, the early, early days,
1: um, when it was still called the Marcus Brothers or then it was called Hasidic Ramblers, um, I actually uh, participated in the first, uh, in the first uh, official concert that we did for, actually my brother Shmueli's uh, Chabad House in Los Alamitos, California. I, I played drums at the show. And then I think the second one we did it. They did another show from my brother Yossi up in Northern California, and um, I flew in. I think I flew in from Shiva, or somehow managed to get a break, or flew in for that. And that was the end of it. Why? <laughs> that was the end of my, uh, you know, because then the, I mean, the the uh, Marcus Brothers uh, disbanded, so the Ramblers disbanded, and then reemerged as Eighth Day. <laughs> Did you As, did you make uh, a pitch to be the drummer or, or to be involved? Um, so I was in I was full time in yeshiva, living away from uh-huh. home. Right. And I wasn't that great of a drummer, in all honesty. <clears throat> and uh, they found professionals. <laughs> and they worked. They had been through a couple of drummers till they found uh, till they came uh, till they found Rosie, who's still uh, is their drummer today. So that was. Um, that was the yeah yeshiva just kind of uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know so it was i was very disappointed at the time yeah and i really wanted to you know just play music and you know and i'm like oh, i could do uh do mitzvahs with music you know what i have to be in yeshiva for i can you know, <laughs> do good things <clears throat> so that uh but it was a, a really a blessing i think uh you know the, the true blessing was for me to you know have nah, a quote-unquote solo career, mm-hmm. and um, and share the gifts. Uh,
0: share the gifts that way. So what? <clears throat> when they came, so when they came out with the first Eighth Day album, I know that that was like <clears throat> very unique. I mean, you know, it came out. Um, I guess I don't know, like 15, like fifteen years ago already. Yeah, a while ago, um, and then I guess they kind of scaled back some of the. I don't know if that was a conscious thing if you were privy to any of that some of the more like um unique elements I guess some of them are rock and roll kind of you know out of the box elements um so i I think that it was
1: it was unique because it was just like let's just put together what we have we there's like we have no budget for this right um you know what can we so actually i i i played I played drums on a couple of the tracks um I think I made which tracks on i played drums on llama Baloo. i played drums on uh the Yamaka blues and maybe, that was some good drumming maybe I, yeah
0: no, why you. are you so hard on yourself thank
1: man. you no I, that was i think that was the peak of my peak of my career that song i'm actually i was I definitely was proud of it
0: um, i mean, i I have a specific memory of listening to that. I'm thinking oh, nice. the drumming was really good so really soulful.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Um, we actually recorded that in my
1: pa- my parents' house the, the drums recorded my parents' house you know my uh, C. brought his computer a bunch of drum mics put some you know threw some blankets around and uh knocked it out um, and then I played on uh on the um on manhattan, the manhattan uh the first version, mm-hmm. yeah. Be to give in, and um, maybe even played keyboards on one of the tracks,
0: just a little bit, you know, the intro or something. I don't know. So, you, but so you were really involved, I mean, even the even the beginning of Eighth Day, at least on yeah playing. I mean, where, I mean so but was it a conscious decision? Was it your relationship with the brothers? I mean, you or you just really felt like what you were headed in a, in a direction to make your own. Own records and do your own thing. I mean, I guess the age gap made made it. You guys were in different places in life. Yeah. Like, what was? Um, you, I mean, was, you know, just never, to dig a little bit. I mean, you yeah. said you I uh, wasn't good enough, and now now like I took your word, but now well, now listen to the other two tracks, and you'll you'll hear. Okay, it. but, but you know, but listen, okay. one great track shows potential that like you stick with it. You know what I mean? You right. keep getting better and better, uh, more true. confidence, etc. Because there's a lot of soul in that music, and that right. and that's one of the things I think that sticks out. About that music, that I think their their later productions, while while obviously it's been very successful and you know brings a lot of uh, joy to a lot of people, you know, a lot of people really enjoy their music, you know, all their music. Sure, but I think there's something for, for especially to ears of somebody who doesn't come from, wasn't raised on Avram Fried and you know yeah. <laughs> has concerts and like um, it it speaks. And I was talking with with uh, Ben, you know, with your cousin um, when he was here. About this idea about why um, that sound you know doesn't necessarily reach outside of the the from Jewish world that much right um, or outside the context of people want to connect to, to your Jewish feeling mm-hmm. um, but I think that album Kind of does more, you know, much more than than some of the other. And I don't think it's the music. I don't think it's the singing. I don't mm. think it's the songs even. I think it's the production. Something about the way <laughs> things are put together. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Interesting. You know, say so, and so I so I, I just I'm, I'm interested in how you know how your your take on that like what where, because. Um, you know, it seems like there was some, it, it seems like listening to that album. And I don't, don't I know, I have no, and I'd love to get a, a picture from you more. And maybe sometime I'll get to talk to your brothers also. But it's just like, what was the vibe at that time and what you guys were thinking? Because I, because ultimately, because I think there was, you guys were really onto something. And I think it was like, um, and then, then I, what I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is what someone told me, that they kind of got feedback that it was like, it was like, um, I don't know what to what context, but they got feedback that maybe they should try a little bit more making a more of a pop, you know, as opposed to, like, a more mainstream Jewish sound would be more successful or, or would would be more appropriate. But what was, what was your perspective on that if you, you know, is so that I, true? I, is there any truth to I, that?
1: I think um, to some degree, you know, they wanted to try for something a little more, um, you know, Jewish contemporary. Um, and it really worked with uh, with <laughs> um, But before that, I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't that involved. Um, I think a lot of it was just, you know, uh, you know, necessity. It's like, like I said, we have no budget, so let's, you know, let's see what we can right. do. You know, just working with local LA musicians uh, who are great. You know, the the studio that that uh, that we worked out of for that first album. Um, I mean, the, the main, like the, um, the main, the main bulk of it was, <coughs> excuse me, was a, um, studio in Glendale. Great, great sound. It's was called UEDs for historical, uh, um, <laughs> historical value. And, um, UEDs? UEDs. UEDs. Oh, UEDs. Uh-huh. UEDs. And, um. That was like, that was, I mean, definitely my first, uh, no, sorry, it was not my first, but this first serious um,
0: studio, you know, experience. So besides like, recording drums in the basement, you actually did so yeah we involved did so. in the studio production, too. Yes. Yeah, so, so you did, so you didn't ask you before about your experience with production, so you have been in oh, studios Oh, you're, right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, I guess I don't take it too, uh, take it too, it was it was very,
0: um, it was too young, I was, you know, too. How old were you then? Sixteen. So that's oh, so you oh, you really were in yeshiva. So there really yes. wasn't, and you know, who, who? I mean, just <clears throat> did you self-justify it as saying like, I wasn't good enough because you were in yeshiva and you had to like tell yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm no, no, so I. I, <clears throat> I don't know
1: if I pushed myself or if I nudged and was like, you know, or if it was really like you know, you know, we need drums on this track
0: and you know Ellie'd be great. You know, let's you know let's come knock it out. Uh-huh. But then after, the meaning after, it wasn't really an option because they knew you were in yeshiva. Yeah, that you knew just... you were in yeshiva. But I'm saying, where did the where did the message that you weren't, you know, that great, great a drummer, and they should find someone more professional? Where did that come from? As opposed to, I understand that you were busy with yeshiva and that that's took priority, as opposed to like keep your chops up, keep learning, and when you you finish yeshiva, we want you back. You know, you're our brother. Come in this band. You know, bring that <laughs> no. bring <in> that energy. <laughs> Get your drums, you know what I mean, to to that point, and then you know what I mean, because you obviously, you know, what I'm saying what what. So where did it come from that that idea that like okay, and I know you said before also it was practicality. I'm, I'm i know I'm digging a little bit, but I'm I'm really curious. Uh, what is your your thought process in that, and you know? I don't
1: think it was anything specifically. Uh, I think it was my own, definitely my own um, judgment. You know, just like you, not practicing enough with a click, and you know, my timing wasn't was it good enough and you know, you know retake and retake and come in here and redo and i was like oh man it's like you cannot be a professional drummer
0: and do this many you know retakes right you know? unless you and then you, you diagnose that issue and sit in a practice right. room and work on it but uh, that was not gonna you <laughs> weren't, that, that was that not gonna seem re-
1: re- realistic <laughs> to you right at that point right i'm gonna sit with a metronome and i was like yeah. oh i'll forget that i'm like oh my time is good enough it's you know so I'll play outside the studio.
0: <laughs> well, just sitting here where we are now, and again, I'm inviting mm. you to the studio to come, to come hang out. Thank you. Play some more drums. But I'll tell you, it's one of the great joys. For me, there's practicing, learning drums and practicing drums is one of the great joys in life. And I, I mean, you may have experienced that, obviously, when you were playing. playing I mean, just, especially when I started studying. But even just, and, and it's, there, there are similar things to learning piano. Because there some, there's some kind of unique pleasure. And, and I sure. think it, and the reason I'm bringing this up because I think it needs to be a pleasure to, to work through all that, what can seem like drudgery work with a metronome. And, uh. you know, it seems like long and, and, and boring to get to the mm-hmm. good stuff, which is the mm-hmm. fun music. Yeah. But I am I think really good drummers find, really find the fun and the, and the pleasure in the process of learning. And that's how right. they ended up getting so good. But like, um, there's something with piano also, especially like, let's say... Bach, which is like these two-part inventions or something, you have two things going on at one time. Right. Oof. And and that experience of splitting the brain, which you're not really splitting the brain, but you kind of are splitting the brain. Oh, man, it's yeah. such because it, you're really coordinating different aspects. It, it's it's and so with the piano, it has this. Deep, but then with the drums, since you can also do it in a little bit of a simpler way than than you know more complicated on piano. Um, and piano also you can do simple things, but then you have mm-hmm. the four limbs. But there's something really like I, I remember getting this feeling when I was when I was first learning some really complex things. I don't even know if it was that complex, but, it, but the, the, at the time it felt right. But this idea of like doing one thing with one limb, doing another thing with one, limb, locking them together—it's mm-hmm. just some like magical feeling. It just does. I don't know. There's a unique pleasure center in the brain that that Definitely. I've never experienced outside of. of you know, learning instruments like that. I was just saying, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. I'm inviting you anyway. It's definitely. If you, if, if Thank you. you. If you have any interest in, I'm um, encouraging you because I, I, I think you're, you know, again, I took you at face value when you said, I wasn't that. Yeah, sure. And now that you bring up, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the, that. Um, I haven't,
1: I haven't explored these memories in,
0: in a long time. Um, because there's also something to like, just the natural, especially on drums, but something to the natural exuberance of just love for music and passion for it that I think really overpowers a lot of like not professional or, or you know less skilled or even even perfect time. Those things are important in certain contexts and, and for certain things. You know what I mean, but in terms of what I consider to be the most important element of good music. And one of the reasons why I personally relate to that first eighth day album more than the other ones, even though the other ones have, were more mm-hmm. successful, is because it there's there's an exuberance, there's a there's a to it, there's like a you know what I mean that right. that, that speaks directly. And to me, that you know, I, it it goes beyond perfection and skills and polish and it's you just know I mean? that that young excitement of like yeah, which you New can York. have at any age, I and mean, that's yeah. the thing. That's how musicians stay young. Is, is is when and and how some unfortunately get old oh, because right. they lose touch with that you know, mm. and I think that to me that's the most important. If if you're one nakuda of like what thing to focus on most is the most important nakuda, um, in music, and I think this goes very deep because you can connect it to simcha and you connect it to like chayas and everything. Mm. Is is that passion? Is that exce- is putting that that life that that energy into into the music, regardless. And a lot of times a person might need to be like, okay, I don't have the skills that this other person has, but it doesn't matter. It's not, that's not going to stop me from having this experience or from sharing that experience, you know? Right. And then, you know, because there are always voices, whether it's in our own head or other people, oh, this guy's not so good, he doesn't such a good time, or this, you know You know, what I'm you know what I'm right, 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 right. I think it's important to listen to those in a certain measure because obviously we can always improve, but to ignore those yes. when it comes to the the, the 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 path of playing versus not playing. You know? And listen, obviously, you're someone who's very involved in music, so it's, be you know, I'm... I'm yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I,
1: I still get excited every time I see a drum set. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know, you know. It's like, and we're going to jam together. Like, um, I'm
0: gonna have, we're going to make some good music together. Okay. I'm excited now, now that I got that like part out of you. Okay, so but so then let's but to your career. So obviously you have a... So you have... Um, so at, at some point, you know, it seems like a family business a little bit, you know, at some point yeah, were you given yeah. a, there was like an open door for you I mean, how much of it was like, um, were, 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 breadcrumbs that you could pick up or, or like open doors that you could walk through and how much was it like, you know, creating your own, I mean, obviously you created your own path. You have your own career, but I'm saying like, um, at what point did you figure out that, that that's what you're gonna do? What, or that's how you you can actually have a career with this. Obviously, turning it from from something you enjoy singing, you get good feedback singing, davening at, at the you know in, in shul and everything, to you know singing at khasen is like to when you're it would just happen organically. People started paying you sure. or so, you know offering. Um,
1: I kind of I kind of got discovered um, by Khani Malaki mm-hmm. here right here in Crown Heights. Um, but it was, yeah, because I don't know if you call it a breadcrumb or more of an open door. Yeah. Um, it was a family wedding, uh, one of my cousins. And um, and we, I uh, started, you know, singing, you know, kind of the, the, that, you know, that year that I was here. Um, you know, there would be an opportunity. They'd send, you know, all the cousins up, you know, go sing something. i sing a little bit, you know. I would sing. Benny would sing. You know, Benny was a little further on. Or a little further, was already on his on his career singing professionally. Um, and then um, at this particular wedding, um, I think I was singing for quite a while. And um, maybe I, I don't know if I was like, you know, caught up with the main singer, you know, given the responsibility of, you know, kind of being the lead singer. And, uh, and Honey walked in. And he told me afterwards, he says, I knew, you know, it's a Friedman family. There's going to be somebody with a good voice, you know, the young talent, the younger generation. And I need a new singer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go scout. You know, they want to <laughs> go scout this wedding. And um, he saw me singing and he walked over. He says, I have your number. I'm going to call you tomorrow. And that was, uh, that was the, the doorway to my, that was the path to my first gig. And uh, that was, on, I think it was on a Thursday night. He called me Friday the next day. And uh, he booked me, for, I think, for one or two dates, maybe even three dates. And then that was it. I, just, I started. I did a, a solid, a solid six, seven years with Honey. Just, you know, I would say almost 80, 90% of my work was with
0: Honey. Yeah. So at what, what point? Were, were you married at that time? Did no, you, okay. no. No, it was... <clears throat> so,
1: um no, it was uh just before my twenty first birthday mm-hmm. my first gig was on my twenty first birthday
0: and um and I was like I got married when i was twenty four so um and when you when you got married it was like, no, this is your pronounce so yeah this is what this is what's yes. happening. yes, it was very clear about the with my wife Baruch um
1: you know it was <laughs> You know, some other people, you know, may have not been, uh, you know, this was not their um, their path when they when they got married, and then you know they kind of
0: that's much more challenging stepped into <laughs> it. I said, "This was, my wife
1: was forewarned <laughs> upfront. I will be a musician. God willing, it's a sham.
0: This is what I what I want to do." And so, so you, I mean, you never. It's a really great bracha because I guess you never, like, at least at that point, you never really had to go out and see gigs. They were kind of coming to you. You had right, steady work with. Yeah. It's a big,
1: big, big, big bracha. I, don't know, I, I, I maybe I don't even appreciate enough the, um, the how much of a bracha it was. Just
0: to literally just, I would wait for the phone to ring,
1: <laughs>
0: and it's like. Did you ever have times when things were thin and you and you had to go out and hustle a little bit, or are you worried that, that you know, when's when's the next gig going to come, or or it's pretty pretty steady throughout. Um, it was.
1: It, I mean until um until recently, like you know I mean obviously the first couple of years when I was single, you know I had zero expenses right. you know living in my uncle's basement
0: were, were you smart enough to save? not I saved a
1: little, <laughs> not enough, okay. not uh, wasn't I was like, you know oh, I'm the rich guy, you know, I take my friends out to eat, I take right. my friends out for drinks, like, <laughs> yeah, I got money, you know I thank God, I never ran myself into debt, but right. you know I was new, you yeah. know okay, I got five hundred in the bank, I will right, we'll spend four hundred. Like, okay. <laughs> um but uh not until recently and um you know especially sphere time mm-hmm. you know where it's where i have you know gigs lined up for after shibuya but it, that's when it gets really tense and it's kind of stressful it's like you you know i oh, don't know is my career over it's like no your career's <laughs> not over it's nobody's waking, making weddings now it's sphere <laughs> you know but um uh, this past winter was was very slow it was very very slow um so that was one, I mean, uh, it, it, it's progressively, I'd say it was, I'm still progressively getting more professional. <laughs> so, um, you know, so putting out um, this, so the album was released uh, in the winter as well. And then uh, put out a music video and it's all the expenses and the cost of the album. And then with no. Gig, you have to foot those expenses or you have I, to? No, yeah. I, I, I covered, um, you yeah, know, covering those expenses. Um, and then, and then, you know, coupled with a very slow season, I think for everybody it was a very, very slow winter, especially the extra month of other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, like, starting to, you know, panic a little. Like, you know, I'm running really thin here. Mm. Um, but I God, you know, I mean, it's, it's, if not for the big, you know, it's the big, this huge expense, you know, the album. And so if not for that, you know, just kind of draining everything, you know, you
0: would be okay. So it's so what, so you, I mean obviously you have access to people who've been doing what you're doing for longer than you have. So how much are are you able to avail yourself of guidance whether from your cousin or your uncle is how much of what they have to share with you is helpful to you I mean you know in terms of developing a career I mean the decision obviously to put a lot of money into an album and a video I imagine you do that with some guidance I mean otherwise you know how do you I try how, I try you know,
1: um, definitely a lot of guidance from my brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another brother, Chaim, who's in the production industry. And so I talked to him a lot, especially he, he produced the um, couple of Day. He produced the Yalili music video, mm-hmm. uh, the Hula music video. Uh, so I talked to him a lot about it, um, especially music video. Um, I, I think especially... I mean, not especially but especially for me in in this uh, musical path uh, there's a lot of things that you you have to learn on your own and, you know as much as people will tell you you know don't do this or do this or don't do this mm-hmm. or keep this uh, you know like it says in mm-hmm. you know so people can warn you or you know give you advice you know try to do this have this in mind try to go with this perspective and, uh, until it, until it hits you in the face it's not going to happen uh, over the years um, my uncle Alfred Fried, Avrambo, has given me a lot of. Uh, he's always available. You know, if I've asked him, you know, he has a couple of minutes. Got some questions. Um, uh, I was especially the first album. I played him. You know, I think I played him almost the entire album. Hmm. You know, before uh, you know, I'd get his feedback. Um, so he's yeah. They've always been. Uh, they've always been available. You know, spent. Uh, I mean, it's harder now. Um, Just everybody's so much busier um, to get good quality time. But, you know, if I sit with Benny, um, you know, listening through material or talking about, you know, how to get good material and production and ideas and this and that.
0: Um, So,
1: yeah, everybody's been very, um,
0: very kind. Using music. More than just as a parnasa, obviously it's right. it's it's a it's a there, there's a there's a contribution there. So I'm I'm very interested to hear from you, um, both in terms of guidance, different family members have received or you've, you've you've personally received, and how you see what you do uniquely in music as a shluches. Obviously, there's something very unique about music, and it's in particular performing the opportunities it affords. There are some things floating around, but, you know, that your uncle got certain direct guidance from the Rebbe, um, and how much of that informs you? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have an, a, an answer. Um, well, how do you think about it? How do you think about yourself in the role of shliach? Or is it something you, how do you approach that, that <clears throat> aspect of things?
1: uh, So actually, so Abram would always ask me, you know, so why are you doing this? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or why, you know, what do you have to say? What's your message? I would say, what's your message? And I never really, like, understood. I'm like, I don't know, I'm 25. I don't have a message. (laughs) Like, you know, like my life, you know, Baruch Hashem hasn't been that, uh, that difficult and sometimes or anything, you know, unusual spectacular happened you know that you know i can really dig into my you know soul and you know have you know bring out you know something that message people can out like oh, whatever you know we really have a met you know go so look for a message now like you know study and like mm, this might be a good message like that but that's not that's not gonna work <laughs> um but definitely what, what struck me um was um a story with a remmel in 1984, if I'm not mistaken, um, he was invited to come sing at a Simhat Harambam in Israel, um, and he wrote to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said no. Yeah. And then the next year they invited him again, and he wrote into the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, if you if you use the time to fabrain with people, to you know uh, del- uh, deliver and pass pass on a um, a message, you know, while you're singing, to use it as a as a time to fabreng. Mm-hmm. So the, the Rebbe gave him a, a mandate to uh, to every time he gets on stage, you know, kind of, in a, you know, in a sense. Um, I
0: don't know if it's every time or specific uh, events. You have a sense of what the Rebbe, so, why the Rebbe didn't uh, wanted to do it in the first
1: place, or I don't, I don't know. Maybe he understood it in a certain way. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But um, but that idea of every time you get on stage, you you have to have a if it's not your music, um, at least you have to have a, a positive message, um, and maybe some words of Hasidus as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, to share with people. Um, and it took me it took me a long time to really develop that and to understand it and to be able to relate to it, you know, especially. Um, I got comfortable with singing on stage, and then I get comfortable with talking on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, And then recently, uh, actually, just recently, talking with a friend, and you know, he was really pushing me. He's like, "You got to know, you got to, you know, who are you talking to? What are you telling them? How are you gonna, you know, how are you delivering that message to them?" And really, um, you know, it it really dawned on me that. and maybe my shluchas is just to um to you know to just to touch the neshama. You know, kinda of wake up like my brother says. So I had this, this discussion with my brother, my oldest brother Zalman as well. Um and he says, look, whenever I whenever I talk to people, I just try to I wanna you know, he says, mm-hmm. tickle the tickle the lead. <laughs> That's his line. And um and I I I've noticed that and you know, it's getting feedback from people, especially um um, singing for you know either non-religious people or non-Jewish people, you know, and they say, "Wow, that you know that really touched my soul, mm. that really touched my heart." And I was like, "It wow, wasn't really, it wasn't anything you know spectacular necessarily, but you know, just I was like, it's just the niggin. The Nigin connects to people's neshamas. It really connects to. So if I can, I'm like, that's that's what I need to be doing is I need to be touching people's souls with the music." You know, or or being the being the shliach, you know, literally just the the um, the um, the conduit and the bridge between the song and these people's uh, you know hearts and neshamas, their hearts and souls. Um, and I, I I think that's um, something that I I'm, I'm very lately been very focused on. Um, the joy is very important. Um, um, having songs with messages i'm still struggling with
0: <laughs> how to you know put that in so music opens the heart in a way and let's say a person has something like i like the idea of for bringing as opposed to giving like the vartura between songs is the idea of bringing between is much more uh camaraderie, camaraderie much mm-hmm. more warmth than that right. but the idea that that you know just like a niggun opens the heart and then the words of hasidus can enter it seems like i mean so that seems like a nice structure. I don't know if, it's, if that's something you're still, in terms of that, you're talking about the words, you're talking right now about the music itself touching people and let's say the quality of the that has the, the power to touch and, and the Shama, to touch a soul. Right. And then I guess, and you're still kind of figuring out those words in between the songs. Um, how to how to be a forbringer in that way, right? Um, which uh, yeah, I understand that's a, that's a process and that's
1: right. That, Plus, well, sometimes you have those opportunities, sometimes you don't. Sometimes right. you just you know, depending on the on the on the show or the venue or the opportunity, um, so you just you have three minutes, and they they really don't want to hear what you have to say. They just want right. to hear what you have to sing. <laughs> um, so, I think just being being um, cognizant of that idea that you have an opportunity to to touch somebody's you know one Shema you know if, if music is the is the pen of the soul as the elder ever says you have uh, you have 3 minutes right. you know to touch right. somebody else's soul and it's just with a song yeah 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 so pick the right song right and be focused on that you know at some point and um it's
0: it's really amazing what you're saying it's just this I like, cuz on one hand, I love how you're putting it because ultimately, on one hand, the musician in me and you know, um, appreciating the power of music on its own, doesn't love the idea that even though music can serve a role to be a preparation to something else, like to open hearts, that that uh, you know, then then you can say the important part, which is the words, mm, you know, right. the non-musical part that the music itself has its value, even apart from that, like that's a, and, and has its own really transformative and positive effect. And I guess sometimes that needs to be followed up, because if someone's inspired then which direction are they going to take that inspiration? But I guess in the context where you're singing, you know, songs that have, you know, Jewish uh, tom to it, mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously yeah. the way you look and represent, you know, it's uh, so. There's a, there's a lot of elements to it,
1: yeah. like like you're saying. It's you know it could be, you know that 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 doesn't describe a specific type of song, right? So you can reach people with, you know, like you said, just with with, um, with an appearance, with enthusiasm. Um, with it can be uh, you can reach people through joy. You can reach people through more you know serious introspective niggin. Mm, darker, yeah. um You know if it's a slow. You know something more like i said just yeah uh, slow niggum or be a fast naked like uh, right. it's it'll it's different ways of yeah um, i mean i have this opportunity um mm-hmm. to sing for the um uh the my cousin does the tours of crown heights the Chesnick, yeah. uh, brooklyn tours and um whenever i can you know i bring a guitar and you know just try to sing for them 15 minutes and when you're singing nagunem sometimes you sing your own songs so for I sing, them so my my routine is uh i sing uh tunigun mm-hmm. um then i try to sing something either you know if it's if there's you know more jewish people in the crowd so something that's um relevant you know so till now i was doing Avina mm-hmm. um and then i try to do you know some more contemporary you know thing, something in english or something in hebrew um i kind of segue out of it you know i mean I segue out of hasidic music and we'll get into uh, you know just general jewish music and um you know so that is it's a, it's an amazing opportunity to connect with uh, people you know especially it's it's primarily non-jews who come yeah, on the tour i heard about that that's an amazing thing it's amazing that you're the tour, the, i mean the tour in itself is is, an, is an, really an amazing thing but just the, yeah. the musical element of it yeah is i get i get feedback from uh from from a lot from non-jews Secular Jews who, you know, uh, were not into Jewish, you know, into Jewish music per se. And sometimes, you know, it's, uh, you know, somebody wants to ask me, what it, what are the words, what were the words of that song? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, oh, just aye, He's like, <laughs> you know, he wanted to know what the words meant. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> but people come over and say, wow, you know, that music really, really touched my heart, really touched my mm-hmm. soul. You know, people who are not Jewish don't understand Hebrew. Um, and it's, that's, that's really amazing, you know. But to getting that kind of feedback, it's like it's that you see that, that that the the power of the niggin just just shines right through, and it's got nothing to do with uh, with who you are or what you're saying. It it just it speaks for itself. It's like that's that's the power of the niggin.
0: It's beautiful, well, Ellie. I really appreciate it. Your time. Thank you. I mean, thank you, thank you. We have to do this again because we we're just getting similar, getting started. Uh, yeah, we didn't even get to the topic <laughs> of, of music and and <laughs> <laughs> We are gonna have to make a, a part two. Make a part two. Stay right. tuned for yeah. part two. And then you're, we're gonna have a jam. We're also gonna get together. I'm just and have, yes. play some place some music. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Cool, so. yeah. Thank you so much, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Ellie Marcus. A uh, really stand-up guy, and uh, you know, talented singer. And he has he has some drumming bone in his body. He really does. I I was checking out. There's some old videos online, of him jamming. It's actually one I found with uh, our friend Peter Hemelman. You can search that up on YouTube. Um, yeah, I think if you know, if someone's got a a drumming thing, there's got to be a place for that. There's something just you know. I mean, I remember from. We spoke about as we spoke about a little bit. I can relate this uh even as a little kid, you just want to play those drums. I you know so <laughs> anyone listening, you know, if you got a, that latent spirit, I personally think it's worth developing. it's important to develop. Um, it's a, a, a unique aspect of music, just drumming. I know that even just the thought of drumming has gotten me through certain moments in life where it's just you know if you could feel I don't know just thinking about certain kinds of beats just <laughs> makes you feel I don't know more confident more more in the, in the zone in the moment um, so yeah I, I really hope Ellie does come by I'm, 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 I have a feeling it's going to happen we'll, you know if we, anything we capture from that I'll we'll, we'll keep you posted but um, it's been a pleasure and thanks again to Ellie for coming by and thanks to our patreons for your support please join join us at soundhighcircuits.com check out the awards check out the brooklyn jazz warriors music upcoming shows when we have them we'll post over there so as usual remember with abundant singing and playing of music we bring about the true and complete redemption see you next time